On today's episode of The Beauty Debut, I am speaking with Fabian Lindholm. Fabian is the Director of International Education at Babor, but when I met Fabian 25 years ago, she was the Corporate Spa Director and Aesthetic Educator for Mario Tricosi Hair Salons and Day Spas in Chicago. When I first started at Mario Tricosi, I had heard about the legendary Fabian. Many estheticians that worked there looked up to her, admired her, and feared her. <laughs> I was a makeup artist at the time working at Mario Tricosi and I got to do Fabian's makeup one day and we became fast friends. She really was my inspiration for wanting to become an esthetician and I'm so glad that I did and I'm so blessed to have met Fabian. On this episode you're going to hear her explain how she got started. She had such amazing journey and an amazing career. She's done so many incredible things. She still is an inspiration to me and someone that I admire very much in this industry. She is an expert in her field, an outstanding esthetician. I think one of the most outstanding estheticians that I've ever met in my whole life or ever will hope to meet. So I'm excited for you to meet Fabian, hear our conversation. We kind of get a little crazy at some points, but I think it's entertaining. So without further ado, I'd love for you to meet Fabian Lindholm. You're listening to The Beauty Debut. I'm your host, Claudia Fabian. As someone who has spent over 25 years in the beauty industry as an esthetician, makeup artist, and in professional sales, I want to share what I've learned. Allow me to be your beauty avatar and give you a behind-the-scenes look at what it's really like to work in the world of beauty. And follow me as I navigate how to age gracefully. And remember, it's never too late to make your debut. This podcast is about all things beauty inside and out. Tune in every week to hear my conversations with the amazing professionals who are working in all aspects of the beauty industry. Get the scoop on the latest trends and learn firsthand insider tips and tricks to help you look and feel your very best. I'm so happy to have you here. The Beauty Debut starts now. Fabian, it's so great to have you on this podcast. And Fabian Lindholm is the International Director of Education for Babor, and she has a phenomenal career to share with us, lots of good information and tips. And she is the esthetician extraordinaire. And I think that many of us in the industry know who she is, and she is phenomenal. So I am so you're, you're, we're talking all the way from you're in the Netherlands, Fabian. So welcome. Correct. Yes. Um, Claudia, it's wonderful to be with you. Thank you for uh, contacting me for this. I think this is um, really a lot of fun and it's great to be able to share insight. And it's so wonderful to hear from you. And yes, we are in the Netherlands right now. And uh, we are communicating from Europe and I'm super excited to spend some time with you. Yeah, well, I want to, you know, 
get the scoop on how you ended up back in Europe in the Netherlands. But I, I guess we should just start from the beginning and you're amazing. Maybe you can kind of give us, you know, I know your career has been long and there's been many twists and turns, but maybe you can share just a general synopsis of your career and how you got started. And I know it all started in a beautiful village in France. Yeah, actually, yeah, I am from France. I'm from a very small town in France um, in the mountains. And uh, it um, actually, my, my, my beauty career actually started there. It started there and it started with uh, um, an orientation from school. You know, in Europe, when you go to school, you get to a certain age and you can decide whether you want to go into more of a professional road or more into an academic road. And I always um, wanted to really focus on the academic aspect um, of um, my, my career. But at the end of it, it was just more um, interesting for me to be involved with people. And I remember telling my dad, you know, I really want to work with people. I really want to do something with people. And that's, um, he said, well, if, you, if it's what you want to do, let's, let's look into it. And started working at a hair salon. And so first it was, I wanted to be a hairstylist. And, <laughs> um, and, and so I just wanted to cut hair and all of this. And it was just really my thing. And then finally, uh, when I got to 16 years old, I met um, a tutor at school and I explained to them what I really wanted to do. And he's like, well, you know, there's other things also you can do. You know, skincare and being an esthetician. And I said, no, what is an esthetician? He said, well, you should look into it because I think you would like that too. It's good to look at both opportunity. So that's what I did. I looked into that opportunity and I um, found a school. I actually met someone who told me a little bit more about being an esthetician, a skincare specialist. I went to school. My parents, you know, made it really clear because it was a private school. So I made it really clear and I needed to be very good at it in order to stay in the school. <laughs> Don't screw it up, kid. Exactly. Yeah. That was really clear there. And, um, and then that's how I kind of got started. And I, when I started school, I just loved it right away. It was mm -hmm. incredible. It was the right thing. It was perfect for me. And so that's kind of how it all started. Did you ever second guess and think, you also wanted to do hair? Because I think for me personally, if I could start my whole career over again, I would be doing hair. Like I, and I would still be doing makeup, but I would be definitely a hairstylist, I think, over an esthetician. Do you, did, have you ever went through that or no? You know, you know it's aesthetic. So no, I really never regretted it. Um, you know, I think maybe because I may be a little bit more like you said, academic for me was important. So mm -hmm. maybe a little bit more factual, maybe having um, something that was going to be a bit more focused on anatomy and physiology mm -hmm. and that right. kind of stuff really made it, you know, um, right for me. You, you just knew. And that's, that's amazing that you were able to discover that so young, don't you think? Because so many people sometimes flounder when they're young, they don't really know really what they want to do oh my god it's you're so right i think i've i've seen so many people not knowing what they want to do and being you know lost and uh, yeah i'm so thankful and grateful that actually this worked out and it felt right for me 
And then tell me, I know you got Sedesco certified. Was that in Europe when you got your Sedesco license or certification? Yes, I did. I did everything actually at the same time because oh, okay. um, I had the opportunity to do my French diploma, which was um, at that point, there was only one diploma in France for aesthetic. And then um, the other part was for me to be able to do the Sudesco. And I was like, well, let's do it all. So I did it all. And I did my Sudesco the same year. I did my French diploma, took it all. And um, um, actually was successful with both of them. So that was really exciting. And, and for me, Sudesco was a really great way to open up all this international ground because I kind of felt in my heart and I wanted to have some international elements in the future. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I decided to go with Sudesco because at that point in the 80s, <laughs> in the 80s, there was not a whole lot of choice in terms of aesthetic diplomas. Yeah. So that's the reason why I picked Sudesco. And for those maybe that don't know what Sudesco certification means can you kind of sum it up in a few words for what that what that means yeah so this is actually quite of a high um um an haute école if we can say um uh, diploma for aesthetic and still these days it's still pretty well regarded um because it allows um the esthetician to really dig into uh, very deep anatomy and physiology really the understanding of um, not just the skin on the, on the face, but it's a full body, you're you become a massage therapist at the same time. Um, and you're really learning all aspects of owning a business at the same time. Mm -hmm. So of course, when I took it, it was based on the um, owning a business in France. Uh, it also allows you to do some um, uh, cosmetology. So you do a lot in terms of chemistry, and understanding how products are made. Um, because at that point in time in, uh, in France, you either had, you were becoming an esthetician or you had a Cidesco and you could access different parts of the beauty industry like working for a lab or working for a manufacturer or um, many other areas or even opening your own business. So um, it really allowed us to dig into many different aspects and kind of broaden the possibility of working in different fields connected to aesthetic. Um, yeah. And then also, like I said, being able to be international. Yeah, I, I always wonder, and I never asked you this all the years I've known you, do you think the French um, aesthetic programs are way better fundamentally than the U.S.? the way the girls in the U.S. learn aesthetics? You know, in the, um, definitely in the one I was in France, definitely it was, there was no comparison. I think now the American, um, and it depends on the states, okay, of course. Sure. There are states that are much better than others in the United States, um, are, are, have gotten better it's still kind of weak because now in Europe, they have come up with different other um, type of diplomas and which one is an, a BTS. And that one is um, you have to actually um, go through um, the first year of college to be able to um, access this diploma. Mm -hmm. So 
I think still, unfortunately, the U.S. is kind of behind. Um, and then there's some states that are extremely behind, like Florida, for example. Um, I don't even know how can someone come out and do and be in the exhibition <laughs> after the end of hours. That's a lot in Florida. Yeah, I think. I, go to Florida. Oh. I know. I you know I I I love this industry so much and as I got, you know, into being in sales and, you know, calling on different businesses and meeting so many different estheticians, you can clearly see, you know, when some girls just get out of school, it's like, you're starting your own business. Okay, great. But they know, they really don't know anything. And it's so important to get mentorship at least, you know, um, or yeah, take some advanced training. So I'm glad to hear you say that. And I always suspected that, you know, the um, European education probably is a lot better. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but it still is. I mean, I have to say that now um, um, in California, they have a really good uh, system. Um, I think that the um, estheticians from California, they, they definitely have a little bit more um, information and they come out way more prepared than some other states. So mm -hmm. um, it's kind of sad uh, that there's not um, more, because ultimately as an esthetician in these days, when you come out of a uh, of school you really need to find an employer that's going to help you to walk you through and help you to give you more experience because there's no way you can treat a client properly without that well that's a perfect segue because let's I, I know that probably more happened, you know, after you graduated and started working in Europe, but let's fast forward to when you came to the U.S. How did you end up with Mario Tricosi? Because you, you mentioned, you know, it's great to, to work with a salon that's really going to, you know, educate you further, train you, and really prepare you to be the best, you know, on top of your game. And I think no other salon company really did that as good as Mario Tricosi did, especially in the 80s. They, their aesthetic program. Um, that they, you know, required all their estheticians to go through before even touching a client was phenomenal. And how did you end up working with Mario? And, you know, I, I know you were their educator for most of the time that I worked for them, which was over 18 years. And, you know, you were one of the people that also worked with me and helped me, you know, in my career with the training. So maybe you can jump forward to that. Yeah, I know this was actually really an interesting. You know, I do believe that sometime, um, things are meant to be in life. And um, so when I went to the U.S., I moved to the U.S., I, my goal was just to learn English and go back to France. Mm -hmm. And um, I ended up, you know, working uh, or being an au pair with a family in Chicago in Oak Brook. And um, I remember one time I was at the Oak Brook Center and all of a sudden I see these huge panel in the window saying that there was a new spa that was going to be open and they were looking for for people and I, I kept going by and I'm like I have to find out what that is this is super cool I would like to stay I want to find a way to work there it was just really exciting and then so I tried to figure out who was this Mario Trogosi and where was he and yeah <laughs> <laughs> and he, and he is, and he is a real small. person for those of you that may not know Mario Tricosi is a real person <laughs> and he's amazing absolutely and then so this is kind of how it all started so I found out that they had a smaller salon a little bit further down in the Alpro uh, Center and I and I actually went to to the door 
And I actually went to the salon, to the front desk, and asked to speak with uh, the manager and with my broken English. My English was really bad. I had been in, um, in the U.S. for about six months, so it was not really good. So but with don't, my broken don't you English, know, Fabian, that having an accent automatically catapults you to the top in the aesthetics field? <laughs> I did That's find that out later on. <laughs> I mean, I used to get... I used to get so frustrated. I, I've worked with so many amazing estheticians, you know, from Poland and, you know, you from France. And you know, we would sell skincare products. Like if they just said the same thing that I said, you know, people automatically bought it from them because you're French. It's like, oh, she knows what she's talking about. And I'm like, wait, I said the same exact thing. <laughs> I know. And, you know, it's, it's um, I definitely took advantage of that. <laughs> See, I'm glad somebody's finally coming clean and admitting that. Okay. All right. So you, uh, you uh, confidently walked up to the front desk and then what happened? And then so I asked to talk to the manager and then she said, well, I'm not the one making the decision for the new location, but I'll put you in contact with, um, with the owner. And uh, she, she actually called Cheryl Tricosi just right on the spot and put me on the phone with her. And of course, again, with my broken English, I didn't know what to say. And she said, okay, well, wait, wait, we, we really want to talk to you. So let's let's find some time and so uh we set up a time and i went to um had a mini interview and uh and then it all kind of went from there you know i needed to make sure i had the visa and then i you know um, all of this happened so quickly and all of a sudden here i am working at mario trucosi who trained you then? Like, how did you, so I know eventually you became their, their educator for all the locations, but how did, who trained you and how, how did that feel? And what was that like? So we, um, when we first opened that location in um, Oak Brook, we had some training, but it was mostly vendor training. Oh, That's okay. all we had. There was not really anything beside that. And we did have a, uh, a spa director at that time, and I don't know if you remember Annette Hume. Oh, um, I remember Annette. Annette yes. Pakora now. Yes. And um, she is the one that kind of trained us in terms of customer journey and what we were going to be doing, and, mm. uh, and she was very hands-on with us. So ultimately, between her and the vendors, that's how we started. And okay. we started growing so quickly. Claudia was really incredible. That's when I came up to Annette and I said, Annette, we need to have some kind of a training program. We can't have all these people coming in like this and not having a training program. I said, we have an amazing training program in the hair salon that Mario and his partners have put together. Let's do the same thing for skincare. And it's kind of how it all went into me becoming the aesthetic director and um, bringing forward um, education in within the salons and the and, spas. And you brought like all of your knowledge from Europe. And I remember, you know, when I got trained at Mario in aesthetics, you know, all of those techniques and protocols, you know, were all part of the training, which was phenomenal. So that's all thanks yeah, that's, to you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's what we did. We put all of this together. And um, it was really, I mean, of course, you know, Mario, um, Cheryl Tricosi was very much involved with all of this. Uh, but between Annette and I, we kind of put it all together and 
and the company kept growing and growing and growing and we ended up having at one point i don't know like 25 locations and and what was it like to then, you know, be an educator for, you know, hundreds of girls? I remember, you know, everybody being so afraid of you. What was that like? <laughs> I guess. They were so afraid of Fabian. They're like, oh, Fabian. <laughs> it's, you know, I think I'm a nice person. Although, you know, I can you be. You are. No, I, I, I didn't have that. I remember a lot of people, you know, warning me and saying, you know, be careful, you know, don't, don't piss her off and do what she says. And I was like, oh, okay. But. I didn't get that vibe from you at all, but I know a lot of people were totally afraid of you. What do you think that was yeah, about? Yeah, I think, I don't know, I, I don't know what, you know, actually, um, I've been told all my life, even when I was in school, when I was 12 years old, 13 years old, um, people always told me that I was a little bit intimidating, and um, I've always been like this, but although I think my, 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 um, my heart is very warm and yeah, very absolutely. caring and nurturing, but I'm also really straightforward, you know? I mean, I'm not going That's to hide what anything. It is. It's being straightforward. I respond really well to that. Like, I like being, you know, like during training, if I'm not doing something correctly, I like being corrected and told so I could be the best. And I think some people get so flustered by maybe it's the tone and just the directness and yeah the, i think that's what it is yeah. that, i mean I'm, I'm super straightforward i'm very authentic and i'm yeah. super transparent so yeah. you can see what i think just by looking at me so <laughs> if you're not doing something well and i'm looking at you and you're looking at me you just know right away it's not so tell me like I know you've, you know, trained so many people and have helped so many people on their career to, you know, really be the best in the industry. But I mean, I know, you know, when I became um, an aesthetics trainer for Mario in their Kansas City locations, I remember coming across some girls that I thought they're never going to make it. <laughs> like they just don't get it. Like they just don't have the skills. And, you know, it was hard to kind of let them know, like, you're not going to pass this program. Like you're just, you just not, you're not going to do it. I mean, how was that for you? I mean, could you spot them out right away? Like some girls, you're like, no way, honey, you're not going to do it. Yeah. You know, I actually, I've always, yes, you know, right away, you, you usually know right away, but my, the advantage that I had is that I was hiring the people too. Mm -hmm. So I often saw it right from the beginning. And, um, and when I didn't see it during the interview process, and I started seeing it during the, uh, the, the training uh, process that we had, the training program that we had, it was really difficult to kind of give them a little bit of motivation to try to push harder and to do better. But yeah, there was a time where you knew by the time this person's going to get on the floor that person was not going to last. And I think, you know, at the end, you kind of let time take care of it uh, yeah. because you know it's not going to go anywhere. And usually people realize it. And with time, they make the right decision of moving on and doing something else. Can you think of, I, I don't want to put you on the spot too much, but can you think of any time when you were training someone, like did anything like crazy happen? Was there any kind of like story that sticks out in your mind where it was just like, what is happening here? Well, in terms of, you know, training people, there will always be, you know, crazy stuff happening. Mm -hmm. um, and in the salon, this is a spa. I think there was more stuff, crazy stuff happening in the salon than the spas. I think yeah. um, massage therapists are a little bit more, you know, um, grounded, but still there was always some, some things that were like, 
you know, people that lie to you and they lie to you face. And I remember one time I was, uh, we had this newest edition, I think it was in the old orchard. And um, so we were going through many different elements of the program and what, you know, needed to be done. And that we had some evaluation and everything. And she, I mean, it, she was just lying to my face and I knew she was. And, and, and it was so big. I actually ended up telling her, I said, you know what, you're lying to me. And I think that's got to stop because you're not going to go anywhere. And I really don't want someone like this in my team if you're going to continue to do that. And so there's people that always think that they can play with what you're, you know, what you're doing and um, thinking they can get away with it. Yeah. And it's like, you think, you know, you think you're dealing with adults, but at the end you're dealing with kids at the yeah. same time. So it's like a lot of babysitting. And, you know, that happened quite a bit where people were doing things behind closed doors they were doing things with clients um and you don't always knew what was happening and i mean i remember just... sometimes stylists trying to sneak into the spa like into an empty room to take a nap they're like yeah, uh you can't sleep in time. here <laughs> i know you're hungover but you need to get back up to the styling area yes it did happen actually one time when i before i was in charge and i was doing my aesthetic and um in oakbrook we uh, i did find a massage therapist um sleeping in the room and that was and we were just bringing the client in and it's like uh okay um and then we'll be right back but it was um a lot of things you know I, we always said the spa industry is like on the top it always looked like everything is going smoothly nicely but it's like a duck you know the yeah. duck when you look at it on the top of the the lake it's always smoothly going across the lake but underneath is little you know paws are just going like crazy yes <laughs> to move them forward and it's it's very much like that there's so much behind underneath that most people don't see yeah and then you know managing you know people is always a a joy in itself and um what was that like for you i mean you know i know you started you know on equal footing with a lot of these other estheticians and then you know you became the aesthetics trainer you know how was that transition for you and was there any challenges in that yeah of course there's always challenges when you move up you know mm -hmm. um there's always definitely some jealousy and people trying to challenge you on everything you do mm -hmm. and you say people um, doing things behind your back uh, people um trying to get a group of others to um demonstrate that what you want to put in place is not going to work the resistance i mean there's all of this and it's it's definitely challenging when you are you know becoming your peers and then all of a sudden you're the director and you have to make decision so um you know i really had to for me it was i needed to take a step back and I started distancing myself, except for a, a small group of people, mm -hmm. which were um, kind of my core group and completely understood what I was doing. But I had to distance myself um, yeah. in order to be able to um, kind of, um, you know, become someone else. And it's yeah. not easy. And it's, it, you know, it hurts you. You lose friends and you're like, well, is that? 
is that something I really want in my life? Do they really mean that much? Do I really need to distance myself? So you ask yourself a lot of questions. But you know, we always say managing people is like babysitting, and it really is it like is. babysitting. People it's will try to really test you and push the limits as far as they can. I think it's just human nature. Yeah. I, I agree. I mean, it, it can be the little things of not being on time. And, you know, you have to address someone for not being on time. I mean, come on. You guys are adults, you know. Just get to work when you need to get to work. Why do I have to address that? Yeah. Why do I have to talk to you because you're 20 minutes late every day? Yeah. I mean, come on, you know. Um, make it happen, you know. Yeah. Get up earlier. Right. Um, it, these kind of things that, that we shouldn't have to deal with that. But we do. But we do. And that's not always easy. So here you are, you're, you know, this educator for all these Mario Tricosi salons, you're developing all the aesthetic programs, and you're still really young, you're single, you know, how was dating? I mean, like, you have a whole salon right upstairs from the spa, like, handsome guys, like, um, did you date, did you date a lot of people that worked, you know, as, you know, in the salon as hairdressers, or did you find love interests outside the salon? <laughs> so for me, it was mostly outside, but I did date uh, a couple people um, inside the salons. Never lasted. And it, it was just too much pressure and it was too much stress because I didn't want people to know. And Yeah, uh, it's hard to keep something like, like that. Okay, I don't wraps. need that. People always yeah. find out. And then, and then there's always jealousy also. So people find out and say, oh, do you know, Fabian? And then there's people that are trying to get into your relationship to try to break it up and see what they can do. Oh my God, the drama between the women and the competition. So I kind of learned my lesson after dating that one guy. And I'm like, you know, I think I need to stay away from all of this. Yeah. And, uh, and I did what is, stay away. What is that um, famous saying, don't shit where you eat? <laughs> Exactly. Like yeah, it's always Something best to like keep that. those things separate. It can it can be hard sometimes. I know that yeah. you know it. There was a lot of temptation. A lot of you know everyone's young and you know the people in the salon were good looking and it was it was it was fun. But yeah, you have to definitely separate the two for sure. Yeah, and and you know I mean we did a lot of partying and yeah. that was really so much fun. I mean, uh, those but you Mario, have to be able to handle this. The, year-end celebrations were it was like going to the oscars i mean people dressed up to like the best you know and it was always so fun and glamorous and the music and the open bar i mean there was always something happening there all these hookups and stuff it was fun yeah it was it was definitely fun all the parties that we had uh within the company but also outside the company and oh, i mean of course i'm young you know i'm single i'm going out i'm working hard and i'm working a lot but i'm partying a lot and and I remember one time, actually, when um, I had a meeting at the Chicago Salon at um, 10 a.m. in the morning uh, with the salon manager there, and we had to discuss a few things. And then, uh, of course, the night before, I went out, and um, I don't think I went home until like 6 o'clock in the morning. Oh, no. So just the time to go home, <laughs> take a shower, put makeup on. And I remember walking up the stairs to go to that small little office that we had. It was before um, Michigan Avenue opened. Yeah. And um, I'm like, I'm still drunk. <laughs> <laughs> and 
I'm like, God, I gotta gather my thoughts. I really have to gather my thoughts. And, and I did gather my thoughts because years back, after that, I asked the uh, salon manager, did you notice something that day? And she said, no, you, you were doing fine. Did you notice um, anything? She said, no, not at all. I'm like, you know what? That day I was really tired. <laughs> That's hilarious. I know I've all gone through that as, you know, being young and working in a salon and spa. I, I remember like being so hungover and getting to work and, you know, working a booked eight hour day and just like tr trying not to like, I don't know, I don't want to say vomit, but you know, just trying not to get <laughs> sick. And I'm like doing a facial massage and I'm thinking, oh God, please just get me through this day. Oh my God. It was, but then you'd go home and take a nap and you'd be out again that night. That's the beauty of being young. Yep, exactly. And Those days you know, are long gone. I'll tell you, I cannot party like that anymore. But I want to yeah. also talk to you about, I know now, you know, after you've left Mario Tricosi after, gosh, so many years of working for them. And I know you've worked for some other amazing spas. And I know you did had your own consulting firm, which was very successful. But now you're working with an amazing brand, Babor. And I know you're, you know, the international director of education, but being a platform educator and educating for these, you know, amazing brands, I know has its own unique challenges. And I've attended, you know, so many aesthetic classes over the years. And I want to just talk to you about what that's like to be a platform brand educator and, and speak internationally and, you know, do these big trade shows, you know, what's that like? It's absolutely incredibly fun. I love it. This is me. That's where I completely come alive. You know, I can do management. I can definitely be, I was a pretty good spa director. And as I, as you mentioned, I've held a lot of position as an operation but where my heart is and where my where I come alive is on stage. Mm -hmm. And I think you really need to feel extremely comfortable and you need to find this rewarding in order to be fun because it's hard. Mm -hmm. It is not easy. Um, it's tons of pressure, tons and tons and tons. And you have to be extremely successful, um, uh, flexible, I mean. It's, um, that's one thing with, I have to say that this industry taught me is really, um, to be extremely agile mm -hmm. and flexible and not, and having to change on a minute, on a second, you have to make an adjustment. You have to make an adjustment on your, on, on the group you have in front of you. If you've got an audience, you you may have to change your whole plan because yeah. you plan to talk about something and it's going a whole different way and you have to change it. So there's tons and tons of pressure into it. But for me, me, I totally thrive in that pressure. I totally thrive in the butterfly before getting on stage. I'm, I always have that moment or where before I get on stage where I don't remember anything. And I'm like, oh my God, what am I starting with? Oh no. Shit, I don't remember what I got to talk about. There's always that moment. There's always this butterflies that are in my tummy every time before I get on stage. There's always that moment where my hands are feeling a little sticky before I get on stage. It's the pressure, it's the stress. But once I get to the stage and I start opening my mouth, usually it just comes out and I don't even have to think about it. And so I think you 
it, for me, it's extremely rewarding. It's what I love the most. It's not for everyone. It really isn't because I've seen people that really suck at it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> love it. But yeah, I mean, I always wondered, like, you know, I see, you know, these platform artists and, you know, educators, and I think they make it look so easy and so seamless. And I, and I know it, it can't be. I mean, I, I, I can't imagine the nerves that you must feel before going on, especially if it's a packed, you know, crowd or a packed class. It's just a lot of pressure. Yeah, it is definitely. And you always have that one that's going to um, challenge you all the time. I, okay. that's another See, thing. This is what I was going to ask you. I was, I'm glad you said that because, you know, as I said, I've attended many education classes and there's always like some shitty people that, you know, there's always like one esthetician that thinks she knows more and thinks she knows it all. And she's going to challenge the educator, um, you know, challenge on ingredients, you know, where, where does this derive from? And, you know, you know, you know, just ask all, it's just like, come on, sit your ass down. Like you don't even care about that. Like no one's ever going to ask you that, like stop. And then there's always, you know, the one who asked like the stupidest questions and you're like, what planet are you on? Uh -huh. so I wonder, like, maybe you can share some of that. Like, how do you handle that? So, I mean, it, there's always something in your head, you know, when you look at people. And, and my problem is that, as I said earlier, I'm super transparent. So people can see exactly what I'm thinking when this mm -hmm. is happening. So it's really hard for me to hide um, because I, I have a really hard time dealing with stupidity. And, um, and yes, I yes, yes, Fabian. <laughs> I just, that's something that was really hard for me. And um, so when people are truly asking questions just because they want to bring themselves up somewhere, yeah. um, I often, I'm always really good at killing people with kindness. Mm -hmm. um, but at the end, there's often in my head, I'm like, oh, what the heck? We just freaking talked about that. Exactly. Why are you asking that exactly. question? Exactly. But at the end, you know, for me, it's always been, okay, you know what, just, just be real and be compassionate and just kill them with kindness. And that's one thing that I've always learned. And it's always worked for me is to killing them with kindness. Mm -hmm. Although there's part of me, you know, there's a little devil on the side here. And it's like, well, just, just, just go slap her. You know? Yeah. But yeah. no, at the end, I don't <laughs> You're like, no, I want to even talk. <laughs> Exactly. And I just need to keep my cool. Yeah. Um, my cool. yeah. But yeah, I think there's always people. I think I've, what I've learned is people that challenge you is that they need attention. And, yeah. you know, I, I always go back to me when I was younger um, in school. I was really challenging to my teachers. Very challenging. <laughs> and the only one that knew what to do with me is the one that gave me responsibility. And the reason why I was so challenging and that I always challenged them is because I wanted to be in charge of my own and I wanted to get a little bit of attention. And so I, I, I often go back to this, to, to me as a teenager and say, okay, this is the reason why I was a pain in the ass. And, um, so maybe that's maybe the same reason. So why don't I give them the room to kind of showcase themselves so they bring themselves up and right. then um, give them a little bit of responsibility of handling something and, and um, you know, kind of letting them blossom on their own. Um, and, 
it's work most of the time. <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> That's really great advice. That is really good advice. If somebody ever finds themselves in that situation with dealing with someone who's being a little challenging. Yeah. Now, what advice overall, like if you could, you know, share some of your sage wisdom or your sage advice here, what would your tips be for somebody just getting started in aesthetics? What should they do to be on the top of their game? So first of all, they have to realize that they're going to have to work really hard. Mm -hmm. um, this is not going to be, you know, I get in and especially now, you know, in the 90s, it was so easy for a statistician to get into like a salon, like Marge Kosi, for example, you had a clientele that was brought to you. Mm -hmm. Now that's not the case. There's right. a lot of competition out there, tons of it. So first you have to be ready to work super hard and to work um, a beyond, beyond whatever the regular times are. Yeah. Then you have to become an expert. You have to be an expert in what you do. And to become an expert, you have to study a lot. You have to read a lot. You have to ask a lot of questions. You have to see what people are saying on social media. And you really need to make sure you have the confidence to have a very specific message. Um, you have to become an expert at something, uh, whether it's at skin or at waxing or makeup or whatever that is you need to become an expert then you need to promote yourself you need to promote yourself by all of these uh, social media platforms these days and if you're not comfortable speaking because not everyone is comfortable doing videos and that kind of things and it's okay then you need to find people that can help you to promote you so maybe it's your clients, maybe it's the people that you're seeing on a regular basis, maybe it's your friends and so on, so on. But it's super important. Social media must be part, even if you're working in a salon or a spa and you're not, you don't have your own business, it's super important. So those for me are the three major elements is, you know, being confident, being an expert, working hard and not being afraid to, um, you know, getting your name out there. Those are, that's how you're going to become successful. And do you think now, because there aren't, you know, a lot of big salons that offer a lot of mentorship anymore these days, do you think um, people starting out should search certain um, advanced education platforms? I mean, do you recommend that people still look into becoming Sedesco certified or are there some other programs that you know about that you'd want to share aside from, you know, getting trained by whatever brand you're using. Yeah. I think Sedisco is good. I and mean, then if you, if you, if you haven't picked a school and you haven't gone to school, pick a Sedisco school. I think that's really yeah. where you're going to get the best foundation. Now, if you go to a state school and you have to go through that licensing and they don't have a Sedisco, you can definitely look at it for the future. Mm -hmm. um, there's not many, um, actually with Babor, we've been looking at different, you know, uh, certification around the world that are recognized in many different countries. And there's not that many besides Sedisco. It's really yeah. pretty much the only one that's out there that's recognized around the world. Of course, you know, there's so many things that you can do uh, within in the new country so there's so many classes mm -hmm. and, and and things like this to take um absolutely shows used to be a really good platform and i think shows have the quality of shows i have come down so yeah. badly that um 
there's really not much to learn in there. Um, and you have to find the experts out there. Um, there are a few people that um, are doing uh, very specific classes where you can, um, or you know, an esthetician can go and, and, and be involved with. Um, there's a lot of online stuff now, and I think it's looking at some of these academies and skincare academies that are around the market that offer also online classes. I think that's also a good place to go. Plus, of course, the vendors. The vendors, um, it's an easy place to go because um, they're totally open to offer any deep or superficial education. Sure. What, what's exciting you right now in the industry? Like what new treatments or you know, what new modalities are you really inspired by lately? You know, in terms of treatments, there's, there's so many different machines and there's so many technology that are great. For me, in terms of treatment itself, I keep seeing the same thing over and over. So I don't think there's new, brand new technology that are coming out all the time. Mm -hmm. um, I, I like the combinations of hands and machines. Mm -hmm. I think that's where we need to go. But you know, when you see what's happening again in the industry, you, you take the COVID-19 of what's done to our industry, yeah. as well as you take of what we were doing before, there's so much things that um, needs to be combined. And I look at, for example, the anti-age, you know, elements that are on the market. And there's definitely a lot of possibility to be able to rejuvenate the skin, whether it's with lasers or, you know, products and so on and so forth. But it can't not be just that anymore. I think it needs to combine the health. Yeah. And I really believe that what's happened with COVID is that it's going to push the industry towards more of a healthy, um, healthy, I'd see, um, industry. Mm -hmm. Because it is the responsibility of this industry to do something. And, you know, all of these hygiene niche measures that we are going through right now, I'm, to me, I'm like, thank God, finally. You know, yeah. there's yeah. so many places where there was no hygiene measure at all. And oh, you know, finally, it me out. Like I use, when I see estheticians wax pot, that's how I judge if they're a good esthetician. If I see a nasty, sticky, gross wax pot, I'm like, ugh, like I would never let that person touch my face or give me any kind of service because it's all about cleanliness and keeping things pristine in your treatment room, I believe. Absolutely. And so this was not even there in many places. Right. So I, I'm, I'm really happy that it's coming in play. I think what's coming in play is also, like I said, the health. It's mm -hmm. all about being healthy, healthy yeah. skin. And healthy skin doesn't always mean to have this major laser surgery, okay? So for me, one, what excites me is a combination of seeing all of these different elements coming together. And I really truly hope in my heart that we as an industry will take the challenge of bringing the skincare into a healthy skincare environment and providing healthy uh, skincare treatment that we can support our natural aging process. And I know this industry 
is hard, you know, as women. And as we get into our age, you know, we often are the one looked um, at. And um, yes, so really young people everywhere. And you know, everyone is talking about you know pro youth and pro aging and aging gracefully. I mean, we've been talking about that for the last twenty years, and it still yeah. hasn't really taken on. And I'm really hopeful. I'm really truly hopeful that this whole combination of creating a healthy environment, creating healthy body, healthy skin, will lead to this um, graceful aging. And to so, not looking at each other as always, you know, being the one you age and you young and you old, you know, kind of. Well, that's, that's good because I, you know, one of the thing reasons I started the podcast too was because of my own aging, you know, I'm 52 now and, you know, I'm, I'm still working in an industry that's really focused on youth and looking young and, you know, I'm, we're not going to be able to look young and youthful forever. I mean, without obviously plastic surgery and injectables and Botox and things like that. So, you know, that was interesting that you said that. I mean, how do you feel for you aging has been in the skincare industry? And I would love for you to share like what you do to take care. I mean, are you doing like natural things like gua sha and are you doing, you know, certain types of massage techniques to keep your skin firm and, as a woman also aging in this industry, how, how does that feel for you? You know, I mean, it's, it's not, you know, I'm, I'm the same age as you and I'm actually older than you. I'm 53 and it's, um, it's been okay up to now. I, I think um, once you hit the fifties is uh, I found it really challenging mm-hmm. um, because I really believe in this industry. Once you hit that number, <laughs> there, there's something happened. People look at you differently. Yeah. And there's moments when people ask me how old I am now, I usually say I stop counting after 45 <laughs> because there's the stigma. There is there's a stigma. A stigma. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it's really sad that yeah. that stigma is there. It's yeah. super sad because I feel good. I think I look pretty good. I, you, you know, I've great. been doing a lot of things to kind of keep my skin and stay useful. But there's a stigma. And, and you know what? I don't care what people are saying. You know, you hear all of this is like, oh, it's all changing. That's not changing. Yeah. You know, when you, when you say you're 50, even if you look good and you look young, they're like, oh, my God, I couldn't believe you. Oh, but really? I'm like, you know, I don't need this kind of <laughs> So that's why I've decided now. I'm. I always say, you know, I'm. Um, I stop, I stop counting after forty-five. Okay, I might. I might have to steal that. I like that. Yeah. I know people either have like they overcompensate. Like, oh my god, you look so great. You know. I. You know. It's just know. calm down. Like it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. You yeah. know. You don't have to say anything because I just said that. You know. Yeah. You exactly. They feel anything. like they have to tell you like, oh, you look great for your age. It's like. It's, oh, exactly. Yeah, it's a number. But I, but I always wonder, like, you know, as we age as estheticians, like, are they going to just put us out to pasture at some point? Like, you know, <laughs> I mean, like, I think so. no, okay, I don't good. Think so because you know, you know, we have there's a whole group of us that yeah. are we all aging together, yeah. and I think um, more and more consumer are looking 
looking at people that in our in our generation that they want to hear from us they don't want to hear from that 25 year old they don't want to hear from that 35 year old they don't want to see you know advertising with these young people so i don't think so i think we will always be there yeah we'll always be there as long as you're an expert and you know what you're talking about. Yeah, I, I'm glad you said that because I think a lot of estheticians can get kind of antiquated in their in their what they're doing. They don't really want to learn sometimes. I mean, I've encountered that. Not always, but I have encountered people who are just so stuck in what they know. They really don't want to learn a new technique or learn a new product line or learn they're just like kind of on autopilot doing what they do day in and day out. And it's so important to stay current and stay abreast of what's happening because this industry is always changing and you don't want to become, you know, old news and, and not know what the latest and greatest is. Yeah, I agree. I agree. That's super important. And you have to be really authentic. You know, as we grow more mature, I think we can tell what's, what's, a joke or what's real yeah. and I think that if you're addressing um, a, a clientele that's a little bit more mature they will want authenticity they will want true tips true information that's going to be real working for them yeah. and that's where sometimes in the cosmetic industry we tend to be a little bit too much on the fluffy side yeah um, fortunately I, I work for a brand that's not fluffy so we always work on you know the authentic and the science, the precision, the results. But I think that's one of the aspects of statisticians that are, you know, more mature will need or, you know, educators or whomever in this industry, they're going to need to be a little bit more um, straightforward and very expertise yeah. driven. Yeah. And, you know, that leads me into the, the thing I really wanted to also chat with you about before we end is about Babor. And I was introduced to Babor through you many years ago at a trade show. I think I ran into you after, you know, having not seen you for many years and you were working with Babor. And That's right. I was in, in Vegas. In Vegas. And I, you know, I remember trying some of their product and being instantly hooked on these ampules. I mean, I, I literally, I, and I'm not kidding. I use these ampules daily. I mean, I love their ampules. I love their collagen creams and oh, I, I love the foil mask. I love it all. And I have yet to really experience a full Babor facial. I, I keep thinking every time I go to Chicago, I'm going to book a facial at Mario Tricosi and get a Babor treatment. And then, you know, time runs out and I don't get to do it. So I would love to get a Babor facial in the near future. But tell me about Babor. One thing that I, I want you to bring forward is what they're doing for this like green initiative, I think is so exciting. And then I want you to share what your top Babor products are, you know, what you think everyone should try? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, Babor has been in my life for, I've been with Babor for over, you know, eight years now, nine years almost now. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, Babor is the one that kind of brought me back to my roots here in um, Europe because I yeah. was with them when I was in the U.S. also. And, um, you know, Babor is, really a no fluff company it's a really bold company and um, it's everything that we do is based in science precision result you know made in germany and the whole concept of precision and in science and made in germany that's where this green agenda is coming from first of all as a german company 
um, Germany in Northern Europe, if you take the original 12, you know, European country, um, Germany and the Netherlands are probably the greenest country um, here. Um, Germany has so many requirements um, in terms of how we need to recycle and what we need to do, and especially as a company. So we've always been green. We've never talked about it. Oh, <laughs> that's totally. Okay. We've never talked about it because it's in our DNA. And for the German, it means nothing. Yeah. Because it's something we, they do every day. Right. You know, and so. There's so many things like in our um, manufacturing, for example, in the manufacturing, we recycle all of our water. Actually, the water that's used to manufacture products and to clean all of the material, they have to go through a cleaning process. When it comes out, you should be able to drink it. And we have to do that. That's wow. the way it is. Okay. You know, same thing with all of our oil. We recycle all of the oils that we use during manufacturing. Um, there, there's so many things that is part of the German requirement. We must do all of this. And um, in the last few years, we're like, well, we're so green, but we never talk about it. Why not? And that's when we started taking it on a little bit further. We so, said, okay, you what were, we do? so you were green before green was a thing. <laughs> Absolutely. There you go. Absolutely. Feel free Absolutely. to use that for your marketing campaign. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> and uh, so what we decided to do is really to take it up a notch and not just do only what is required, but really moving forward and doing more. So right now we've, uh, we actually, hundred um, we are um, carbon neutral, uh, 100% carbon neutral, the whole company is. Uh, so that's something we've achieved, I think, at the end of last year. Um, we are looking at doing um, uh, by 2023, and that's a tough one right now, but we are looking at having 30% uh, less of plastic in all of our, um, um, in all of our packaging, and that's a challenging one, I got to tell you. Um, when we work with our um, departments that research, because, you know, we, we battle between the whole concept of using a recyclable piece of you know packaging but also being carbon neutral and these yeah. two things sometimes don't go together right so sometimes we have to decide is it more important to be carbon neutral or to actually have less plastic so these conversations happens all the time but yes it's we want to move forward and we want to do more we done so much with just um, planting trees all over the place and yeah uh, so we're doing a lot of mini um, actions all over and it has become um, a big part of our communication uh, with uh, in the future and will continue to be yeah and I tell everyone that I I know about Babor I just think it's an amazing line I know it's you know it's it's really big it you know in Europe and rightfully so that's where they started and you know I just you know, tell every, you know, spa director really that I, you know, have these conversations with about that board because it's an amazing line. I mean, it, it, ha it has everything that, you know, your customer would need. And, you know, can single estheticians or are estheticians that are in their own studio, are they still able to carry that board or is it strictly for, you know, these luxury spas and resorts? 
no, no, we still have a lot of uh, clients and estheticians that are single studios. Um, and, you know, it depends on the country. Some countries are doing more than others. It really depends, but we definitely have them. I mean, it's the, it's kind of the foundation of who we are. So um, we are the number one professional skincare in uh, Northern Europe. Um, and that's because of these estheticians. So we want to continue to still honor them mm -hmm. um, and, and because I think they're really important. They are the experts, you know? Um, yeah. So we want to still become uh, close to them. Yeah. So, so where, you know, in terms so of maybe product, you, yeah, I was going to say the product. So what would you recommend somebody try? Like if, you know, hard. I know it is hard because they have amazing selection, but you know, let's oh. say somebody just wants to give it a shot and, and try some bad boy to see how amazing it is. What should, what, okay, let, let's start here. What ampules should they buy first? Yeah, I think the best thing to try with Babor is Ampule because we're the leader in manufacturing Ampule in the world and we, mm -hmm. we manufacture over 50 million Ampule a year. Wow. Um, all right, well, there's so many, it, it's hard to pick, but I'm going to tell you my two favorite one. Okay. And my two favorite one is, one is called Beauty Rescue. Beauty Rescue is um, uh, really, it's for everyone. It helps to really make the skin completely smoothed out. I often said it's the resetting ampule. You know, like when your computer is completely overloaded with cookies and you go to factory setting and yeah. you're remove all that stuff but that's what beauty rescue does okay. it um, brings your skin back to factory setting so it's able to function better and to be much healthier and then it gives the, that really nice um uh, smoothing effect on the surface of the skin okay i haven't tried that one yet i'm gonna order that one okay yeah beauty rescue and then the other one um it's um, um the active night active night is for again, it can be for anyone. And I love it because it really works on the circadian cycle of the skin and it helps to um, increase the natural regeneration of the skin. Because you know, we regenerate so much better, actually 30%, uh, 30 times more at night. And so this actually supports the natural regeneration process of the skin. And it also helps to avoid um, transipidemol weather loss that is in the skin in the evening. Uh, we tend to dehydrate a lot in the evening. A lot of people think that it's mostly during the day, but dehydration at night is actually grander than it is um, um, during the day. Okay. And this helps to avoid that uh, transepidermal water loss at night. And it works with the natural circadian cycle. So it boosts everything that happens during the night process. Um, and in the morning you wake up, you get this beautiful, fresh, gorgeous, plump skin, ready to take on any other skincare product. So those are my two. Well, sold. You've sold me on for. both. See how easy I am? I'm sold. <laughs> <laughs> and I then, love it. So the other, there's so many other products well, what in Bob and I love What are you using right now? Tell me what, like... Okay. Your nighttime. Routine. I change all the time. Yeah. I change all the time, but I do program. Okay. So that I'm really big in making sure we provide a certain program for a certain amount of time for the skin. I always say the skin is your largest organ and you have to keep giving that same thing for a certain amount of time to get the best trigger effect. 
So uh, right now I am on our luxury optimal global anti-aging sea creation. That's what I'm using. Wow. Sounds and, uh, fancy. The, it, it's very fancy. It sounds very French. It sounds very European. <laughs> so I'm using the serum and the cream, of course, and there's just a mask again. If you want to discover ultimate luxury with optimal global anti-aging. Yes, I do. Tell creation me. is amazing. Sea creation do require a really comfortable budget. Um, <laughs> but there is a product. Oh, I love that. A comfortable budget. That's a great way of saying budget. expensive. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Okay. I've learned so much um, already from this call. Okay. Comfortable budget. I'm going to write it. Good. Good. That's, that's amazing. I love it. Um, but there's a one product that we created ju just for people that wants to enter that collection and, and try it without having to bust the bank. Uh -huh. And that's the mask, the Sea Creation mask. And it's an overnight mask. And it's incredible. And, and, and if there's one thing you want to try in Sea Creation, try the Sea Creation mask. Uh, that's really incredible so that's my kind of my little routine for now but i change every three months so i've already planned my routine for next month for next um two months because i've been on this for about a month and a half now and my next routine is going to be dr babu pro okay <laughs> so i always kind of pre-plan you know and then the next one is probably going to be hsr and then I do want to go back into reversive. So I really use everything. Um, wow. I just plan different program and I do it in three months at a time. Mm -hmm. and, and I think, you know, home care is equally as important as, you know, going to see your esthetician. And um, I've seen a big difference in my skin with incorporating, you know, Babor products. I'm, I'm a true fan and believer. Um, so yeah, any tips and tricks, you know, now do you share any tips and tricks and recommendations on any of your social media or how can people find you and connect and, you know, if maybe if some, I, I do some sometimes, I'm not really, um, that good. I, am posting a lot of things. Uh, and I do sometimes I, I, I go through a period of time where I'll post a bunch of things and then I won't do anything for a while, mm -hmm. but yeah, there's two areas that, um, people can contact me. There's my, um, Instagram account, um, which is, uh, fab underscore G underscore L mm -hmm. and then uh, LinkedIn. That those are the two major platforms. LinkedIn is a little bit more business orientated for me. And so I speak more about business in general and more about education and where education is going because really this is where I am the most involved now. I'm steering the global education uh, strategy with Fabor. So on LinkedIn, I'll do more business. And on um, Instagram, I'll be, I'll be a little lighter and a little bit more fun. And um, I can, I'll share things there um, that are tips and tricks um, of products or um, skincare in general. So and, those are the two platforms. Okay. And, and where are you, are people or estheticians able to tap into any of your webinars? 
are they able to access um, you through Babor and in, in, in what capacity would they find you? So in terms of accessing our webinars, you have to be a Babor uh, partner. Unfortunately, oh, okay. this okay. is not available to um, um, outside of Babor partners for all of our webinars. Um, there are a few things that I do on my own here and there, but it's very limited because I'm really super busy with our Babel project. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but yeah, this is usually um, for Babel partners, mm -hmm. our webinars. Well, to all the estheticians that may be listening, I want to encourage you if you can get a chance to attend one of Fabian's classes or you know, if you become a Babor partner, you know, you're going to get the best education. And Fabian, I don't know if I ever told you this, but I mean, you were instrumental in my career and, you know, learning from you and watching you um, with your facial techniques. And, you know, I was so blessed and lucky to, you know, in my career early on to have access to you and to learn so much from you. And, and of course, through Mario Tricosi, but I just wanted to personally thank you publicly for all your amazing talent that you've shared and all the um, great tips that you've always given me and inspiration. And I think you're amazing. And I, like I said, I oh, wish I had you. access to you. <laughs> because, oh, thank you. Know, you. That is so yeah. nice. So well, true. it's the truth. I don't bullshit. And I don't, you know, not just blowing smoke up your ass, baby. And it's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> That's you don't. You're like me, which is yeah. like straightforward. I'm straightforward. Let's make it straight. It's right. And you are amazing. And um, yeah, so... Thank you so much for sharing your journey and um, I learned a few things and I really do love your comfortable budget phrase for selling. I think that's amazing. <laughs> well, I'm glad you liked it. Um, it's, um, you know, sometimes it's not what you say, um, it's how you say it. Uh -huh. <laughs> so, yeah. And the vocabulary you use, that's, that's usually how it works. But yeah, thank you absolutely. for having me. Yeah, well, thank you. Was yeah. fun. And, and like I said, if anyone wants to contact me, I, I'll be happy, even if it just have some personal tip and life is um, inspiring confidence. Yeah. And that's what I do with our education program. And so anyone can always contact me. Actually, there's another platform I do have um, on Facebook. It's called Beauty Ateliers. And there, there's a lot of tips. Um, Beauty okay. Ateliers. Okay. Um, so that's Facebook. I forgot about that one. And like I said, lately it's been so busy and we are redoing our global strategy. So I haven't had much time to um, spend into this kind of things. Yeah. And I'll, and I'm going to put all your um, contact information in the show notes so that people can, can access you if they yeah. want to. Okay. Well, thank you. Have a wonderful Sunday evening where you are. And I'm just starting my Sunday. So there you go. Enjoy your Sunday. And thank you again. I really appreciate it. Okay. Thank you, Fabian. Great speaking with you. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you liked this episode, I would be grateful if you would rate and review and be sure to subscribe so you can get notified when the next episode goes live. To learn more about makeup, skincare, self-care, and my personal go-to products, visit thebeautydebut.com. Do you want to continue today's conversation? You can find me on Instagram at thebeautydebut and on LinkedIn at Claudia Fabian.